Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cartoon Boom. This is a show where we wake up the Saturday morning sun, pop on the floor with big gold sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm a rebooted anthropomorphic creature. My name's Chris. And this morning, we watched Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Chip and Dale. From 2022, I should yeah, say. Yeah, the new one, the movie. The the, the film, yeah. The, the film. Every time I wrote it down in my notes, I kept having to write 2022's Chippendale Rescue Rangers for that reason. Because I'm like, well, it's the exact same name. I don't even think we've done Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the show yet. So I don't want that to be confused. We haven't. Which is surprising. The main reason I know that we haven't done it is because I don't think I've ever really watched it. <gasps> gasp! <laughs> I know. I like that you gasped, but then you audibly said the word gasp for, <laughs> for like, Just effect. for effect. You yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Love it. Uh, but yeah, we definitely haven't. We definitely need to, though. I love that. I love the original show, so this made this one all the sweeter. I mean, I know of it. I know the characters. I know the premise. I know a lot about it because I was born in, you know, the 80s and lived through the 90s. So I have quite an awareness of all the the stuff that goes on in those Rescue Rangers episodes, but just haven't watched it. That's one of those theme songs that's stuck in my head forever. So I could probably do at least the intro part of it. So it's like, yeah, go ahead. Sometimes some crimes are start. Wait, was it? Um, you lie. Go slip. Hold on. Hold on. Sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks. But these two gum shoes are picking up the slack. There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call Chip, 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 Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Chip, Chip, Chip and Dale. When there's danger. I remember a lot of it. Yeah. So the tune is in my head constantly. Yeah. Before you watch this film, it's just always in your head. Yes. And so hearing it and seeing some of these older episodes being shown in this film was just delightful. I wonder how many people out there have like the theme song for their favorite cartoons as like their morning alarm for their like to wake up because I just I never thought about doing that. And I'm like, man, that just seems like a real nice way to wake up in the morning, you know, maybe. But I need to be woken up like furiously, like I need something that's like annoying or else I'm just going to incorporate it into my dream or something. I'm not going to be able to wake up to like a pleasant sound. I need something that's just harsh. It's like, wah, wah, wah. like if, if it's not something that makes me mad, then I don't know that I could wake up to it. Maybe like a Gilbert Gottfried cover, like him singing something like that. Sure. Rest in peace. But sure. Yeah, R.I.P. Mr. Gottfried. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. My, my wife's the same way. She has like six or seven different alarms. I wake up like, you know, a, a feather hits the floor and I'm like, ah, 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 what was that? <laughs> <laughs> but she like, I, I don't know, a bulldozer could slam into the room and, and knock our bed over. And she'll like, ah, just five more minutes. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh. I found out yesterday that there's a term for people who have uh, a similar gene to me where I can basically function on four to six hours of sleep a night. And it's like it's called natural short sleepers. And it's just something that some people are just able to do. Huh. And they still live perfectly healthy lives. And because 
it was this like radio lab interview or something where they were talking to these two 70 year old sisters who had the same thing. And they're like, yeah, we're still perfectly healthy. We sleep like four to six hours a night, like maybe take a nap somewhere during the day for like 20 minutes, which are the naps that I take to like 15 to 20 minute naps. And then that's it. Like we just persist. We live. Yeah. I'm one of those people that like I could sleep two hours, four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, six hours. And I still feel the same amount of garbage when I wake up. <laughs> So, yeah, when we did that 24 hour stream, that was very apparent. Yeah. <laughs> you almost died, I think. Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> real quick before we get started, just a real quick thank you to both Eric Greep and David Beron. Beron. I just like saying David's name. Our newest Twig level members in uh, in our Patreon. So thank you so much to Eric and David for joining the uh, joining the Nerd Sloth Treehouse. Thank you guys so much. We re we really appreciate it. Um, we love you. We love you so much. Oh, so much. This is my love you voice. I love you too with all my heart. Anyway, spoilers ahead for this film. Just letting you guys yeah, know. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. If you are coming into this without having seen the film or having heard about it, but want to see it, go watch it first because there's it's going to be spoiler heavy. Very, very spoiler because you cannot talk about this film in depth without spoiling certain things that are just so wonderful about it. Turn on your Disney Plus or mooch off of your friend's Disney Plus like I do because <laughs> I watch Joseph's constantly. Yeah. So do that. Get your friend that has more money than you. Mooch off of them. I didn't have a job for a year and you still mooched off of me. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? You saved up money, sir. <laughs> you had, you still... Not to pay for your Disney Plus watching. Well, we'll, we'll debate that later. <laughs> So the movie Chippendale Rescue Rangers from 2022 was based on, obviously, Rescue Rangers properties and characters created by Disney Television Animation. This was directed by Akiva Schaefer, written by Dan Greger and Doug Mann, produced by Walt Disney Pictures and Mandeville Films. This aired on Disney Plus Network. I don't know that it had a theatrical run at all. I think it was just purely streaming only. That's interesting. So I didn't even know that it was going to be streaming until you told me, hey, you should watch this. It's on Disney Plus. I thought it was going to be a theatrical release. I had no idea it was going to Disney Plus right off the bat let alone only going there. Yeah, so I guess I'm not positive that it only was on Disney+. Plus. Maybe it did have some theater showings, but I watched it on Disney+, Plus like the day it came out. So, yeah. I like that. For a short synopsis, 30 years after their popular television show ended, Chipmunks Chip and Dale live very different lives. When a cast member from the original series mysteriously disappears, the pair must reunite to save their friend. It's true. It's all true. You heard it here first. Well, technically, you heard it here second. <laughs> If you watched the yeah, movie. Yeah, if you were on IMDb or anywhere else and you heard it here a second. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all true. Okay, so this is going to be a long list, but I'm going to ask you, who were some of the actors who played in this movie? Yeah, I tried to pare it down to the most important ones. So there's a lot of cameos and things like that that I'm probably not going to include. So don't at me because we may discuss some of those later. But We'd be here forever if yeah. you listed everyone. For the rest of our lives. But uh, the voice of Chip was provided by John Mulaney. The voice of Dale by Andy Sandberg. Voice of Monterey Jack by Eric Bana. 
which was very surprising for that. Eric Bana is just so like his roles are always like so no nonsense, so heroic. I always think of Eric Bana as like from Troy, you know, as Prince Hector, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So what a weird role for him, but I love it. I would have had no idea that was him had I not looked it up. Yeah, exactly. Gadget voiced by Tress McNeil reprising her role from the original, which is super awesome. Zipper, voiced by Dennis Haysbert, which <laughs> that might be, you might be like, wait, what? What? Yeah, the Allstate commercials, yeah. the uh, Army commercials, yeah. He, yeah, uh, he was also the president in, oh, dang, what show was it? There was a show I used to watch, and he was the president in the show, and now I don't remember what the show was. Live action? Yeah, but he's got like that such a deep voice, a deep calming voice and just such a huge presence. So, yeah, Zipper, the tiny little green fly. Um, We said spoilers. <laughs> he's got a very deep voice. Ellie played by Kiki Lane, not voiced, played because this is very Roger Rabbit style. So you have some uh, live action and some animated. Uh, Captain Putty, voiced by J.K. Simmons. Uh, Sweet Pete, voiced by Will Arnett. Bob the Viking, voiced by Seth Rogen. And Seth also voiced a bunch of other people. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. Jimmy the Polar Bear, voiced by Devon McDonald. And uh, my personal favorite, and I think star of the movie, if we're going to be fair, star of the entire film. Ugly Sonic, voiced by (laughs) Tim Robinson. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> did you did you know going into it that he was going to be in it? No, <laughs> I had no idea. Okay, I didn't know if you had looked at spoilers or anything. <laughs> the ugly Sonic thing was a hundred percent surprise, and maybe the greatest <laughs> surprise I've ever been given. <laughs> oh my god! They play they play him up so well. Like his his character in this, like we all remember the ugly Sonic with the teeth from before <laughs> they changed him in this original Sonic movie. And they've they've like brought him back, but made him even uglier. Like his eyes are further apart. He's got bags under them. He looks a little. He looks very disheveled. He's got, <laughs> and it works so the, well. Yeah, he's got the tiniest bit of pot belly. Yeah. to him. <laughs> like he's like Ugly Sonic. Just uh. let him go. Let himself go just a little bit, and even calls himself Ugly Sonic. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the big thing here to understand the idea of this show is that it's very Roger Rabbit in the idea that every cartoon you've ever seen, every cartoon, every animation you, you've you ever seen, all of those characters are actors playing a role. So um, that will help you understand everything that's going on in this world, basically. Yeah, it's a world where animated characters of all kinds, not just like cartoons, live side by side with live action uh, people. So with real people, just like Roger Rabbit, like you said. Well, a lot more integrated. Like there isn't in Roger Rabbit, there was live action. Then there was Toontown. That's not the case here. Everything's completely integrated, which even leads us into like the beginning of this film when we're seeing when when the their children, basically their young little chipmunks go into school, like elementary school. You know, Dale's starting out at school for for the first time. He's going to a new one and he's got no friends. He's kind of weird. He does like this little joke when he first gets introduced to the class, which is a mixed class of different styles of animated characters and live action children of all kinds of shapes, sizes. Some are anthropomorphic. Some are 
you know, cartoon. Some might be like Simpson-esque, things like that. So it's completely anything you can come up with is is in there. There's like anime characters. There's like we said, Simpsons. There's anthropomorphic. There's puppets. There's even a sock, sock puppet. puppets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Muppets. Everything. Everything. Yeah. And that was all the actors? That's all I'm going to get into for now. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Chippendale Rescue Rangers cereal. So I had to parse this down too because there are so many Easter eggs, marshmallows, whatever you want to call them in this that we would be here the entire episode just listing those out. So I, I'm, it's really parsed down. And like Chris said, we'll mention them throughout the episode as we kind of run into the uh, plot point. So early in the film, Dale stars in his own show titled Double O Dale. In the early 90s, Disney was developing a show called Double O Duck. This idea was scrapped when it was discovered that the title Double O is owned by the estate of Ian Fleming, author of the James Bond novels. So Double O Duck was reworked and became Darkwing Duck. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there's a really good Darkwing Duck cameo, like a, a mid credit scene. Um, yes. That I think is pretty good, especially because of that specific like callback, bringing him in there. Especially what he says, too. Like, he's just, like, yelling about how people want a Darkwing Duck reboot, so. <laughs> yeah, and it voiced by Jim Cummings again, yeah. so that's always great. We want Darkwing! We want Darkwing! Say it with me! We want Darkwing! What a lot of malarkey! Jim Cummings does a lot in this film. I, I didn't mention him, but he does a lot of random characters. And he was one of the original voices for Monterey Jack, but he did not reprise that role here, but he did do yeah. a ton of other ones. The The original voice for Monterey Jack, it was Peter Cullen and also Jim Cummings did it too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he did come back and voice a bunch of like random characters here and um, they were all pretty fun. Especially like once we get into like the nefarious stuff that's going on, he voices a lot of characters that are of consequence of all the bad stuff that's happening behind the scenes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, of Peter Cullen, there's a lot of Transformer, um, both animated and CG appearances in here as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like there's the one Optimus Prime leg <laughs> on the, the amalgamation. There's like Hot Rod or at least one that looks like Hot Rod, like sitting. Yeah. I don't remember if he was in a classroom or theater or whatever, but they're all over. They're sprinkled throughout. Mm -hmm. So also... Seth Rogen, who played Bob the Viking, has a scene with four characters you were referring to earlier where he <laughs> that he has played before. Uh, when Bob is tripped up by Chippendale and lands on the floor, he looks up to see Pumbaa from the Lion King live action, or not live action, but the CG. Yeah. Um, Mantis from Kung Fu Panda and Bob or B.O.B. from Monster vs. Monsters vs. Aliens. And they're all talking to each other and he's just, they're all just his voice and his <laughs> laugh. And it's just so funny seeing them all interact. What are you looking at? Honestly, your weird dead eyes. <laughs> they are weird. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> so funny. Like hearing three Seth Rogen laughs all at the same time. Is, <laughs> I didn't realize that was something I needed in my life because that had me cracking up so hard. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely one of the biggest laughs I had in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Among many other laughs. It was so fun. Yeah. 
Sweet Pete mentions the word bangerang as he was explaining his bootleg yeah. studio to Chip and Dale. This quote references the movie Hook, obviously starring Robin Williams as Peter Pan and Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. Bangerang was a term Peter Pan and the Lost Boys used as their rally call. So yep. that was a fun callback. Man, I want to see Rufio. Where's Rufio at? I know. Rufio. Like th- That would have been a great appearance. Yeah. Alan Oppenheimer reprises his role as Skeletor from He-Man and the yeah. Masters of the Universe. But additionally, he also voices He-Man in this one as well. Oh, I didn't realize he did He-Man too in that one. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool seeing that like animation style. It looks so good, like mixed in with the live action stuff. Like that is like a really cleaned up version of that Funimation style. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. As a nod to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, not only is there a scene where a tube of dip is visible, but Roger Rabbit himself makes a brief cameo voiced by his original actor, Charles Fleischer. Yeah, and they mentioned Jessica Rabbit at one point, too. Yes. Um, I think when they were in... Um, they're being transported in some sort of car. I don't remember what the um, the conversation was, but something about celebrities or or something like that, and, and just saying, "Well, you know, she's no Jessica Rabbit" or something like that. No, he uh, it it was uh, Chip telling Dale they were in the back of the car, yeah, but or in the back of that truck, but they were both zip tied, and uh, he was telling Dale like. Something about uh, he's surprised they're not seeing Jessica Rabbit in there with them since they're zip tied in the back of a truck or something. And oh, okay, I, I don't. Yeah, it was something to that effect. Yeah, but I do remember that scene. Yeah. Uh, lastly, because again, I had to parse this down. Schaefer, the director, said that for the film's villain, they wanted to play on the idea of child actors that were not able to continue acting as an adult. Ooh, yeah, this is rough. Schaefer said there was no intent to make fun of any specific actor. Uh, The team had earlier considered an adult Charlie Brown, but ended up selecting Peter Pan, which also made it easier for licensing sake, of course. Some critics, however, drew parallels between the character of Sweet Pete and Bobby Driscoll, Peter Pan's original voice actor in the 1953 film, whose life fell into decline in the years following that role, leading to his death from heart failure caused by drug overdose or caused by drug use at age 31 in 1968. So these critics considered the choice being Peter Pan in this movie, knowing of Driscoll's fate, may have been in poor taste. So now that I know that, it does feel like it's a little too on the nose, but uh, I I, want to think there wasn't any intent for it to relate to that, but, you know, it's hard to not draw that parallel. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, though, like, let's let's just say, hypothetically, let's say it was somewhat intentional. To me, it, it makes the villain somewhat more sympathetic in a way, you know, of like, no, it, it's it's almost kind of like, even though in the end, like, so Sweet Pete is is in the wrong, he's doing some bad stuff, but you have some sympathy for him because it shows how, like, Hollywood takes these young child actors and whatever, chews them up, spits them out, and, like, doesn't hire them anymore and just really, you know, does just completely does them wrong and messes them up for life and sets them up for failure. You know, it's extremely rare to find a a childhood actor that turns out without any kind of severe problems, you know, later on. You know, we definitely have our success stories, but a lot of those have to go through a lot of horrible things before they get to a point where they're okay. 
you know, look, you know, we, if we look at someone like Drew Barrymore or something like that, you know, she's great right now, but man, she went through a lot of garbage to get to where she is. You know, a lot of horrible stuff happened to her. So let's, even if it was intentional or something like that, like I almost see it as like a, you know, they pulled from, maybe they pulled from real life as almost like an, an expose, like a, Hey, yeah, this is, this is real. Like Hollywood does do this to people. So we're kind of like showing, you know, some of the CD underbelly of what Hollywood really does. So I don't know if it was intentional. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. I just think the perception of it being played comedically maybe makes it a little bit of a sore subject. But, you know, I thought it was funny. And even knowing this, I still find it funny. But I could see how people might not like it is what I'm saying. Well, especially if it was like anyone that was like related to the guy or something like that. Especially if they didn't get any kind of consent or anything or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. So knowing that, let's just start talking about the movie now. So we don't have to go through it scene by scene, but let's just call out some some important points and then maybe just some surprise Easter eggs that we found. Uh, Yeah, like. So we also we already kind of talked about like, um, you know, how it starts out with Dale going to school for the first time when he was little and, you know, meeting Chip, who kind of, you know, befriends him. They become best buddies, basically his best buddy in the whole world. They they grow up together. They become actors together. They get jobs together. They finally get their own show, which becomes Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. And then things eventually fall apart because Dale tries to branch out. He does a pilot for Double O Dale. And that pilot fails spectacularly and that ends up getting Rescue Rangers canceled and Chip does not forgive him for what happened. And and as we'll see later on, and you can kind of probably guess some of that is also like misplaced thoughts of like intention and things like that, you know, of, of Chip assuming that Dale just wants out or something like that, or, you know, the rescue Rangers isn't enough for him. Right. When the reality of it for Dale is he just feels like he's second fiddle to Chip being the the lead the of yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, the fan favorite. And so yeah. he wanted to try to do his own thing to gain, I guess, notoriety on his own. Yeah, and, and it failed and it, it kind of ruined their friendship. Dale tried to remain being an entertainer while Chip moved on into other careers. Um, when we finally see Chip again, you know, the 30 years later, he's selling insurance. <laughs> he's good yeah. at it. He's employee of the month like every month, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, he's like an insurance adjuster or something like that. Yeah. And and Dale is this is what I like about Dale. Dale is doing the total trying to stay relevant entertainer thing. Not to say that all entertainers that do this aren't aren't relevant. But like you see him at like random cons with like the small booth and nobody's there. You know, it's just like, oh, oh, poor guy. Yeah, because he I mean, he's just holding on to the past and trying to milk that to keep to sustain himself. Essentially, Um, he doesn't really have any current prospects. I can't remember if he had any like acting jobs going on at the time or if it was just like maybe bit parts here and there. He was directing his own show, but it was like a um, from from what it looked like, it it looks like it was an adult entertainment thing because like remember they show him (laughs) backstage and those guys are dressed in real skippy outfits. Basically, they were Chippendales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And those guys don't even like him. Like he was trying to get them to hang out somewhere and they're just like, no. <laughs> right. So, yeah, poor Dale. But that's where he's friends with Ugly Sonic. So we see him there. <laughs> 
And they're reunited with Monterey Jack um, because he is kind of calling out in desperation. He has this like addiction to cheese. Stinky cheese. Stinky cheese, which holds close to his character in the actual show. Because anytime he sees cheese or smells cheese, like he goes into that trance in the show. So that (laughs) is brought over and adjusted to him being addicted to it, which is fun. But that is also what gets him in a lot of trouble and I guess gets him in debt with the... The the Valley Gang. Yeah, the mob of this movie, the Valley Gang. Yeah, and I, I just love the idea that in this world... So, I mean, you can have cheese. Cheese is fine. But stinky cheese, that's basically <laughs> like the... That's like the heroin or something of this world. Like, if you say stinky cheese, like, everyone gets, like, all hushed and, like, look at you yeah. funny. Like, you a oh, cop? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you a cop? <laughs> oh my Uh, god i love that because they uh well i mean we'll we'll get there we'll get there but so both chip and dale get called separately by him they go to check up on him because they're you know he's worried because the valley gang he says is um and we've seen in kind of like um news reports um in the background stories stuff like that that some tunes have gone missing Uh, most notably we've seen flounder is missing from little mermaid (laughs) yeah but what he tells Chip is that the Valley Gang will abduct tunes that that owe them money and can't pay up, and they give them surgery, like they force surgery on them, and then they basically force them into making bootleg films for cash and uh he doesn't want to get bootlegged and just the the whole idea because we see like the whole thing like we see what <laughs> they they take us through the whole thing. So we see what flounder would look like and we see like it's instead of the little mermaid, it's like the small fish princess or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and like we see he just looks so doofy on the cover of it. And oh my God, it's so funny. Just the idea that the whole scheme is this gang that gives you horrible cosmetic surgery and makes bootleg versions of popular movies so that they can earn <laughs> money on the cheap without copyright infringement. Right. That's amazing. And I, I do want to mention that the Valley Gang lives in the Uncanny Valley, which is what this oh area God, is called, yes. because of all these characters that end up there, which are ones that um, obviously, if you know what the term Uncanny Valley means, it's where things just like uh, are animated or something in a human-esque way, but they, they're not quite right for some reason. They just feel off. And in like Seth Rogen's case of being Bob the Viking, it's that he's always just looking straight. Like <laughs> even when he, like he thinks his eyes are right on you, his pupils are just like pointed straight at all times. They called it the Polar Express eyes, and I was exactly. I, I had such an appreciation <laughs> for that because yeah, I totally get it since we did Polar Express last year. There's also we see uh, some cats like fighting in the oh, alley yeah, over cats. trash can from the movie Cats. Yeah, but the CG yep. cats, so they look way off. And then, like, you know, random characters just kind of walking in place into a trash can, like video games glitching out. So stuff like that. Like, that's the Uncanny Valley. Those are the, uh, like, failed animations that live there. That's amazing. That was one of my favorite gags in the whole thing was just the existence of the Uncanny Valley. (laughs) Just as, you know, as people that review animation and play a lot of video games, that was great. 
Oh, yeah. But basically, Chip and Dale, they didn't realize that each other were going to be there with Monterey Jack. It just kind of, he called them separately. They get there. He tells them his worries. You know, they leave separately, but then Dale gets the call later from the police that Jack does, in fact, get abducted. He's gone. So he calls Chip back. They get there again. They they are meeting the police where they talk with Oh, what's his name? They talk with Captain Putty, who's kind of like a Gumby knockoff. Yeah. Uh, with a mustache. Like he's like a blue Gumby knockoff. Right. He which he stopped motion animation. Yes. So just another kind thrown into the mix. And then Ellie, who is a real life human who can't even fit in the apartment. She has to stand outside and talk through the window, which is kind <laughs> of fun. Just that idea is funny. And they they had this conversation with Ellie where she basically says, you know, there's too much red tape. The cops aren't going to investigate this because they've seen a bunch of these. Like a lot of this has been happening. Like I, I get it. But the cops are just kind of like, hey, there's nothing we can do. There's no leads. Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to find your friend. But if you two can find me something that I can go on, then maybe we can help. But she's basically like, my superior's not going to lift a finger unless we have something we can really go on. So that's when they go to Main Street. Uh, Main Street, which is basically like the, the Main Street of uh, Disney World. Yes. Which it just looks like a nice, peaceful street. Uh, everybody's happy. Like they're selling cheese. They're selling like balloons and stuff. Like it's just like a nice, peaceful street. But Dale knows that there's a lot going on on the inside where it's like a really seedy, the seedy underbelly of the main street, basically, that we're not seeing, which leads them to speaking with uh, uh, Jornsson, the cheesemonger. And he's like, um, he's basically the Swedish chef while not actually being the Swedish chef. But he's oh, a yeah. Muppet and he's a cheese salesman. Uh, he was voiced by uh, Keegan-Michael Key and <laughs> he's the one... They come up, they ask about cheese, and then they say stinky cheese, and that's where he's like, you guys cops? Let's see, we've got the Munster, the Gouda, the Brie. Do you have any stinky cheese? You cops. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> he was so sweet as chef up until that point. He's like, oh yeah, like, oh, do you want some cheese, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you guys cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, so he takes them uh, back into his shop to, I guess, find them the stinkiest cheese. But all the while, like they're looking around to see if they can find any clues to lead them to Monty. Yeah. And and then basically they had heard the name. They had heard the name before this of Sweet Pete. So they have an idea that Sweet Pete might be somewhere behind this pulling the strings. What they don't know is Bjornsson works for Sweet Pete. And he ends up snatching them up while they're in his thing, traps them, zip ties them, brings them to the Uncanny Valley to Sweet Pete's kind of base of operations there in the Uncanny Valley, which is where they meet Bob, the warrior. They meet meet Jimmy, the polar bear. And Jimmy is supposed to be, they never say it. At one point, they say, I think a, um, oh, what do they say? Or non-brand specific soft drink or something like that. Yes. He's yeah. supposed to be the Coca-Cola <laughs> polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he he's yeah, because he's a polar bear, but in a red sweater instead of a red scarf. So it's like they couldn't get the rights from Coke, but they just made a knockoff version, which fits very well in this movie. Oh, perfectly. Yeah. Well, and just like Bob is supposed to be basically like a knockoff Gimli from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is which is great. 
And we'll find out later that Captain Putty, you know, is in on the whole thing too. Also makes sense because he's basically a knockoff Gumby. So it's like everybody that was in on this thing were knockoffs of something, which is great. So yeah, you can kind of see the chips line up there. That's not a saying, but I said it anyway. <laughs> line those chips up. Line those chips Jack, up. Jack, make a, make, a, make a sound of chips lining up somehow. Yeah, line up those chips for me, please. But yeah, that's when we find out who Sweet Pete really is when they get confronted. And it's this old, like, mobster-esque, run-down Peter Pan. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. gosh, that was great. I did not see it coming. I was thinking, because we had just finished watching Goof Troop, so I was thinking, is Sweet, is Sweet Pete going to be Pete? from goofy and it's not but we do get to see him eventually which is fun yeah towards the end of the the film he's in it i was wondering about it too just because we had recently done goof troop but i was thinking that's got to be too on the nose there's no way so i was trying to think of any other pete's but i didn't think of peter yeah me neither i did not see it coming either and so (laughs) it was a fun surprise and then Seeing, we even get to see, we get to see some of the Lost Boys too, who are still uh, children. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of him just talking about the good old days and using terminology like bangarang and stuff. So it's like he's still kind of living in his past, but since he can't recapture it, which kind of what's confusing to me a little bit is like, since he has that machine that can like change the parts of them, like why couldn't he change himself back to like a younger version of himself? You know, like why couldn't he like bootleg himself back to being young Peter Pan? I would assume out of spite, you know, of like, uh, they wouldn't accept me for who I am. So now I'm going to take from them. Okay. So he's taking their stars and turning them and creating, um, you know, capitalizing off of their losses. So, there is one because we see a lot of these like the covers of these knockoff movies throughout the film. And yes. one of my favorite ones was I think it was Jasper, the dead ghost kid <laughs> instead of Casper. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a ton, though, and a lot of like fun stuff on billboards. There, we even get to see there's so many weird movies. Mr. Doubtfire. Yeah, there's <laughs> Helen Mirren as a man. <laughs> Mr. Doubtfire. Was it Helen Mirren or was it Glenn Close? I think it was Helen Mirren. Maybe. Then we've got Fast and the Furious Babies. Uh, <laughs> rated R. <laughs> rated R, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've got uh, Batman versus E.T., which Dale or which Chip ends up watching. Yeah, we get to see part of that movie. <laughs> oh, my God, that's <laughs> ridiculous. E.T. E. Forgive, forgive Bat. E.T. <laughs> e. Forgive Bat. Fine. God. Fine. That's <laughs> so stupid. I love it. Uh, so stupid, but it's so good. It it's pretty good. Um, what happens is so Sweet Pete is wearing a fitness watch, and Dale has the same one, which Dale points out at one point. So they they end up getting out of this place, and they they let Ellie know. It's Sweet Pete. This is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But we don't know where everything's going down at, so we can't prove it. So they're just like, well, if we could track him, then it it would work. So they sneak into like this gym slash day spa that he belongs to so that Dale can sync their fitness watches like like Adam is a friend, basically. So that they would be able to track each other's whereabouts. So there's this whole scene of them like sneaking in there, which 
there's all kinds of funny antics. There's a lot of cameos and and that whole thing, which is really fun. But they get that accomplished. They track him. They find the warehouse where this machine is that's grading all of the um, doing all the cosmetics. They find all of these like body parts and like cosmetics. Oh my god! Extracted <laughs> extracted parts from cartoons. Like we get to see things like uh, uh well, Monty's mustache for one. Yeah, um, it's there. the the key from Kingdom Hearts. That's right. Uh, the, yeah, the, the Keyblade rather, and uh, we get to see Ickus's mouth from Our Real Monsters. Oh yeah, from Our Real Monsters. Yeah. yeah various parts jimmy neutron's hair was there yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> his entire hair oh man so they get trapped in that machine and as they're going through like some versions that they could turn them into that was fun yeah we get to see different versions of them like we get to see uh, like a simpsonized version ren and stimpy rick and morty like so many different like an old black and white like um steamboat willy kind of animation yeah, too there's like an anime version oh yeah yeah i i really enjoyed that part of seeing all the different versions that they could have done so that that's that's pretty cool in the end though only only chip ends up getting modified by accident and one of his ears gets turned into a snoopy ear which is really funny yeah <laughs> Oh man. And it's like that for a while. Yes. We should also mention for anybody who who doesn't know that that Dale this whole time has been CG while Chip is still cartoon like 2D animation. Yeah. Um because Dale got the CG surgery to yes. update himself to modern times. Yeah, he did it like Alvin and the Chipmunks did it. So yeah. he did it <laughs> because he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to be able to compete, so he did the same thing. And it, it's kind of funny the amount of like almost like trash talking they have for Alvin and the Chipmunks because it comes up multiple times in this movie, like their disdain for Alvin and the Chipmunks, which is so funny. Like um, Chip mentions at one part, like he sees them on a commercial and they're rapping. He's like, oh, of course they're rapping. And he's just so mad right. about it. Which is funny since they end up having to rap at a certain point but yeah. it's done for laughs for sure and it's like it's so bad that the person they're rapping to is even like oh you guys are really bad rappers yeah he's <laughs> like my name's dale and i'm not gonna eat a whale and that's all yeah. he just keeps saying is like and like i don't know why i would eat a whale because i can't eat a whale and <laughs> right <laughs> it's just like that over and over again just that kind of stuff but yeah, that was that was pretty fun. There was another point too where they met somebody and they they have like an argument and he's like I always preferred the chipmunks anyway. Right. So And at a certain point, I don't remember if this happened before or after they're like um like in that machine, but they go to this convention. And that's where we get to see a lot of these characters including He-Man and Skeletor, uh, Tigra, uh, Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. It happens after the machine. Okay, because, yeah. Um, so after the, that changes, they figure out there was no way because like the coffee there was still hot and everything. There's like, there's no way they should have known we were coming because the cops and everything came with them and everything. They're like, there's no way they should have known unless somebody in the police department tipped them off. So they're like, we can't trust anybody. So then they went back to the convention to talk to Ugly Sonic because Ugly Sonic said, oh yeah, I've got a reality show coming up where I team up with the FBI and we do cases yeah. together. So they go to talk to <laughs> Ugly Sonic to try to tell his 
his FBI buddies and get them involved since they can't trust the local PD anymore. And uh, that's where all those shenanigans happen. And that's, yeah, where we see the majority of cameos is this convention. Skeletor, He-Man. We see all the My Little Ponies because there's a stampede, which was oh, fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. We get to see Paul Rudd randomly show up. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. So, so Mr. Doubtfire was Meryl Streep. Now that I'm thinking oh, Meryl about Streep. it, I was wrong. Okay. Not, we were not going close. Yeah. Yes. We're all wrong. Yes. And then uh, I was trying to think of some other good ones. Uh, I think Ash Ketchum was in the background somewhere. I think he was at least a version of him. Yeah. Yes. You get to see various just knockoff versions of things and real versions of things. At a certain point when we start seeing, okay, well, let's let's fast forward to the point where they are in the factory again, because at this point, they find out that Putty like has been, like you said, working for Sweet Pete as well. Right. You know, he's in cahoots with them. And so he uh, gets them trapped there and is kind of having a, a fight with Ellie. And that's where we get to see some basically Terminator 2 kind of uh, oh, yeah. uh, T, T-1000 sort of antics because he's kind of like melting down and like going under the doorway and stuff. And he, he kind of gets defeated by her in the same way or in a similar way where he gets frozen and, then and shattered, uh, I think with a fire extinguisher and then shattered. Yeah. They even use the same like music and sound effects when he's like yes. doing the goo thing coming under the door. It's pretty good. Yoo-hoo. Oh, that's also when we get to see Sweet Pete get kind of uh, trapped in the machine as well and turning into his final form sort of thing where okay yeah he's an amalgam of all these pieces now uh, i'm trying to remember what all they were so he had one optimus prime leg one one woody woody leg leg. um one of his arms was wreck it ralph the other arm i think it was inspired by bullet bill from mario yeah 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 yeah. It, it didn't look exactly the same but it shot like the chomp thing. It, yeah, it shot a bullet that had a face on it, like a similar face. So it wasn't yeah. like the exact thing, but it was a knockoff of that. And then his he had uh, his shoulder pads were basically like shredders from Ninja yes. Turtles. Yeah, and and his head was kind of a mix between uh, the little like white cat from Aristocats with the pink bow. Yeah, and then Fat Cat. Fat Cat from uh, Rescue Rangers, which we saw earlier in the movie. Yes. And he just goes on this berserker rampage. (laughs) I was going to say, it's Jim Cummings doing the voice for that creature at that point, by the way. Since he had done Fat Cat. Yeah. Yeah. And we even get to see like a nod to Jurassic Park as he's like crashing through this like (laughs) corridor. He like roars, like looks up and roars and the banner falls down from the convention, (laughs) just like Uh, Jurassic Park. We also find out now something they didn't know is that all of those bootleg films, they thought that all these these tunes were being sent overseas and being shipped off because this was taking place near the docks. But the studio, the bootleg studio was actually still there and all this stuff was being shot on site just in another area that they hadn't found. So once they um, start fighting Sweet Pete's ultimate amalgam form and they crash through this set, we see so many funny bootleg things. Like, uh, what was Winnie the Pooh's thing called? It was like... um, Oh, oh something Honey Bear. Something... Like Pooge Bear Honey Bear? Likes honey. Yeah. <laughs> but Jim, it was this gross looking Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, which Jim Cummings voiced both of those too. There was 
bootleg Simpsons that look kind of like the original Simpsons, honestly. Right. Like Matt Groening's original from the Tracy Ullman show. When they actually open the crate, the uh, shipping crate that has them all in it, we get to see just a ton of these like mixtures. One of my favorite ones or one of the most obscure ones to me was the mix between Samurai Jack and Black Sad, John Black Sad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is a comic for anybody who doesn't know what that is. Yeah, Samurai Jack was there. Bambi was, I don't know what Bambi was. Bambi was mixed with like a fairy or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there was, a, oh gosh, Naruto, but mixed with like an old man. So he had like <laughs> a, a golden, like giant mustache. Oh, um, I forgot man. about my favorite bootleg that uh, this was not one in the crate but this is one we saw a photo of which was totally jacked garfield like oh yeah (laughs) garfield but with like the rocks body like dude was ripped yeah buff garfield oh my god and then on the picture that it had of him it said like longer tail yeah Uh, oh, and then we saw Pete. He, they were redoing Aladdin, but with Pete from Goof Troop. Again, yeah. it was Jim Cummings voicing that character, too. He, Like I said, he voiced a ton of characters in this one. But uh, yeah, they finally find Monterey Jack. He was in that uh, crate once they do defeat the Sweet Pete amalgamation. And he comes out with Dumbo ears. Yeah, he had been mixed with Dumbo. <laughs> He's like, oh, they Dumboed me. <laughs> <laughs> After they thought that they had defeated uh, Sweet Pete, like he does the diehard thing where he like gets back up and lets off a final shot. And that's when Dale jumps in the way uh, to save Chip and gets hit by the bullet. But he's okay because he had this slammer. A pog uh, slammer. In his, his, yeah, a pog slammer inside of his pocket that he had gotten earlier from Chip. And it's just like seeing all these things that just take us back to childhood I think this was like made for 80s kids, basically, because this is 30 years later and we're in our 30s. So anybody in their 30s, I think, can get the most appreciation out of this. Yeah, for sure. Things go go, you know, fairly well at the end. Things get tied up. Uh, Ugly Sonic shows up with the FBI in a helicopter. That's right. Oh, and we didn't even mention that um, at one point, Dale had called up Gadget and Zipper, who have a family together with oh, yeah. so they, many kids. They ended up getting together and having, yeah, so many children that are mixed a mix between mice and flies, and they look like crazy abominations. abominations. Yeah. Oh, it's gross. It was so cool hearing Tress McNeil voicing Gadget again, though. Yeah, I like the animation for Gadget. She's just so adorable. Um, I don't want to think of the logistics of how all of that worked. <laughs> Zipper and Gadget. It's best That's, not to. That, oh man, that, uh, we need to move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, they free all the bootleg tunes. There's like a little Rescue Rangers reunion kind of thing in the press um, after it all goes. And um, then we get that post credit scene where Darkwing Duck is throwing a big fit at a convention. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, at, at a certain point, there's also a sign on the side of a um, like a bench that is for to vote for Mayor Butthead. <laughs> From Beavis and Butthead, of all the things. I think it was Senator Butthead. Oh, so, yes. It was a Senator Butthead? Yes, yeah, Senator Butthead. We get to see um, Stan Marsh, or not Stan. Um, His dad. Randy Marsh in there as well from <laughs> South Park. Yeah. yeah, he was in the bathroom. Just all these, right. The just all these random characters. Some, a lot of them didn't even have lines, but it's just seeing these characters all mixed together. 
it was a great conglomeration of uh, really all sorts of animation. Ones I would not have expected because I would have expected to see only Disney owned things. I have no idea how they swung a Disney film and you also see like South Park characters and no clue Samurai Jack and Transformers and My Little Pony and Naruto. And like, I'm like, what? Right. How did they do that? This was the movie that Space Jam 2 was trying to be. Oh, man. I never even saw it. Never even bothered. I didn't either. I, I, I have no desire to, but I've heard and <laughs> I, I know that it's got a ton of cameos, but it's like it wanted to be what this ended up being. And it never will. Good for Chippendale. There you go, Chippendale. Good job, everybody. And there's like, I want to say too, we still like it might feel like we exhausted this plot, but there's so much of this plot that we did not touch on. No. Like we couldn't like there are tons and tons that we didn't touch on, especially with Ellie. Ellie is a big center point of this whole thing. And we barely talked about her. I'm going to say some things later on that we'll touch on it a little bit, but it's just there's so much to it. Like you you really have to watch the movie to to understand it. So to um, fully appreciate it. If, like, I, yeah, if I know we spoiled so many things, even though you were warned. But if you haven't watched it, please watch this film. Please do it. Well, Chris, looks like it's about time we send our inner kids to Hollywood to help Chippendale rescue Monty and maybe see about getting some of that addictive stinky cheese from Jornson the Cheesemonger, then find out what they thought of 2022's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. This movie had like every cartoon character ever, and it was so funny and silly, and now I can't wait for the bootleg of Cartoon Boom. Now, what would we call it? Animated Explosion? Animation spot? Hmm. Not only was this movie exciting and super funny, but it was also filled to the brim with animated characters of all kinds. What more could a kid ask for? Actually, maybe more scenes from that Batman vs. E.T. movie, because I really wanted to see E.T. launch his super attack. E.T. phone home! I would love to see that movie in its entirety, you know? <laughs> I love out it. of all out of all the options they had, I think that was probably the most interesting one. I would also like to know like how it started, like how they met each other. You think they did the bat signal and ET got confused and thought it was his family? You know, I don't know. And Batman just has some kind of prejudice against aliens after seeing so yeah. many so many uh, things go wrong when they come to Earth. What if ET got mixed up with the wrong side of things originally and is like ET's working for Dark Side at the beginning of the movie? I would have assumed Brainiac would have been involved in some way. Yeah, it could be. And then like, you know, Batman has to fight ET to show ET um, you know, the the right way of things. I don't know. I'm assuming he E.T. got uh, drunk after raiding the fridge again and oh, just yeah. shambling around, like not knowing what he was doing. Batman got suspicious of this like random creature just running around, running into things and went on the defensive. What if Batman accidentally kills Elliot in a dark alley after Elliot and E.T. were watching a movie and then E.T. becomes what he always feared for revenge and then <laughs> goes after Batman in like a real Ouroboros kind of way for Bruce Wayne there, you know? And in the end, ends up forgiving him for some reason. I don't know what Batman did. Because E.T.'s mother's name is Martha. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's that's gotta be it. 
My <laughs> mother's name is Martha, too. Uh. Why did you say that name? Because <laughs> we don't even know what E.T.'s real name is. Uh, it's Edward. Yeah. He looks more like a Mark to me. But it's E.T. It's Edward Thomas. It's his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just worked out that it happened to be Edward Thomas also. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. So what were some of the things that you liked about this movie? I'm sure, obviously, obviously the cameos, right? Obviously everything. Everything about this movie worked for me. Like the varying styles of animation, the character interactions, the humor, the Easter eggs. So many Easter eggs. It was very apparent that it was made by fans for fans and is honestly one of the funniest animated features I've seen in a long time. If you want to call it an animated feature, I guess half animated, half reality. Yeah. Were there any cameos that we hadn't touched on that you really, really enjoyed that you can think of? Uh, the most obscure one to me was that Samurai Jack Black sad one. But like they're coming up as I'm going through the movie in my head. And I'm just trying to think of ones that really stuck out because we talked about most of the really good ones. I think there were some like very obscure appearances from different enemies from the Chippendale cartoon like those were really kind of background characters uh, I'm trying to I'm I'm thinking about the convention like who else was there that I'm not remembering we I talked about the Transformers earlier oh 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 one of the gummy bears from the gummy bears cartoon was there at one point oh that's right yeah you're right Oh, and also uh, Paula Abdul and Scat Cat. That's right. Yeah. That was one that I remember really like. So they used some of the de-aging technology on Paula Abdul for that. Basically like right out of her music video. So. Oh, I know one. I know a really obscure one. Mr. Natural, the guy in the yellow robe with the long beard, like Robert oh, Crumb's yeah. uh, Main Street. from, yeah, when he was on Main Street, like that's one that like, you know, you might recognize, but it'd be hard to place him. But since I had done so much research on Robert Crumb and tried to like uh, emulate his art for a while, that yeah. was one that really stuck out to me. I was just trying to think of the, any other ones that we hadn't mentioned, but I feel like we really, I, I, like all my favorite ones, I think we pretty much got. Yeah, there's a ton that we haven't mentioned, but as far as what stuck out. Baloo was pretty good. But yeah, but that was Baloo from uh, like the CG version of Jungle Book. But hearing him sing Bare Necessities. I like the idea that, that Baloo was singing and that Jimmy, the polar bear, like freaked out about it and was just so excited and, yes. you know, wanting his autograph and <laughs> all oh, kinds of stuff. Uh, when they were in the, uh, I think it was when they were in the cheese factory or maybe it was the, no, it was the spa. We see Uncle Scrooge like diving into uh, gold coins. Yeah, he was swimming in all the money while um, everybody else was literally in like the spas and stuff. So. Right. Like that's his spa. So yeah, like so many. There was another one uh, too specifically that we didn't see them, but we were told this and I totally forgot about this. I really like this. So Ellie herself was once, oh man, now I keep thinking of more that I really liked. Ellie was reprimanded at one time because she apparently led a raid on Nick Jr. Studios at one point. And oh, yeah. when she did, uh, Paw Patrol attacked her her team. And because of a specific wound that one of her comrades got, he can't have children. <laughs> um, and then also they do mention that they had a 
brawl with the Rugrats at this also. Oh yeah. Oh, there was a there was a billboard that had Doug and Porkchop on it. Oh, that's right. They're um, weren't they? Their attorneys or their attorneys. Like yeah, it's it right. like funny and Porkchop. Yeah, uh, your injury isn't funny or something. I I don't remember what it said on there exactly, but it was something to that effect. So yeah, just cameos all over. They also mentioned Jack Skellington. When Bob got caught by the police, he was yelling about how like Jack Skellington's been, you know, like stealing money from his own charity for years. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, that's great. So good. So yeah, this is why we couldn't name them all because if we, if we did, we would just keep going. So uh, as far as things that you didn't like then, were there any things that you didn't like about the film? So I know we've had a string of five star reviews lately, which is great for us. But I know people like to hear us complain about things sometimes. But honestly, like there's just nothing about this that I didn't like. And, and I think part of that could be that our generation is basically the target demographic of this movie. Plus, it's a love letter to animation, which is literally the whole focus of Cartoon Boom. So I, I, I'm, we're already going in with the deck stacked against us, and it absolutely did its job of winning me over. It's, but if I had one thing that I would say could even be perceived as negative, then maybe without it being held together by the glue in the form of cameos, callbacks, and nods, I don't know if the plot would have been able to sustain itself without all of that. So maybe people maybe people coming in without the vast amount of trivial animation knowledge that our brains are holding on to wouldn't enjoy it as much. But that's that's just conjecture on my part. I'm not sure like how fun it would be to people who weren't aware of all the the cool things that are happening every scene, all the different characters they're seeing make appearances. Like if that didn't mean anything to them, would it be a special? I don't know. For me, it definitely was, though. I honestly 100% think that, that if not for all the cameos and everything, it would not have been as special of a film as it was. I was thinking about this at, at one point during the film, too. There there was a certain scene where things kind of slow down a little bit, and then I started thinking about it. And I was just like, I don't think this scene is really that great. This was where they were at Dale's place and you see all of the Chippendale memorabilia and everything. And that was the exact scene. When you said that, that was the exact scene that came to my mind before you even mentioned it. So, yeah, there's great things about it. But I I think that was the point where I knew that on the surface, the plot was very run of the mill and extremely predictable. Like. It is so run of the mill that like I knew exactly what was going to happen aside from like didn't know, you know, what character Sweet Pete would be, but obviously knew it would be some sort of cameo from the past, knew that the police would be involved, knew that Ellie would be good in the end, knew that the chief would be or the captain would be the bad guy. You know, all of this stuff, like it it just it followed a format that we're very used to. So as far as that goes, the plot felt kind of thin and very cookie cutter. It was still a lot of fun, though. So, I mean, regardless of that. Now, where I do struggle a little bit, though, is just I wasn't the biggest fan of Ellie's character. And I know that she's a metaphor for us as as viewers of fans that that lived through this time period to begin with, because she was the fan. She said, like, right in the get go, when she met Chip and Dale, she was freaking out. because She was just like, oh, I'm huge fans. I watched every episode. My grandma used to tape them on VHS for me. 
I just, I get tired of the movies where they insert the fan service as a character into the story and that having an impact on the outcome. I, I think I rather would have seen just literally Chip and Dale solving this thing without the outside help or getting Gadget and Zipper in sooner for the extra support and giving them more of a role because Gadget and Zipper were in this movie for a total of maybe like five minutes with all of their time combined. I I just, I think that that would have been more fun to see the whole gang doing more rather than seeing a fan service type character for like half of the film that, I don't know, I I just, I got really bored with that part. Yeah, I I think I agree with you, but I think that maybe not having both Gadget and Zipper come back, maybe just Gadget, because I think the zipper thing, him having such a deep voice was a gag, yes. And it was funny because we saw it so infrequently, but I think having it persist through the whole movie and just having that him like talking on the regular would have kind of killed that joke a little bit. So, but Gadget, you know, she always would have been welcome into the scene. So I think, yes, having a human to try to connect them with our world more makes sense. But her character wasn't focused on enough or fleshed out enough, maybe, to make us care about her as much as we did Chippendale. I mean, they did try to use her as a red herring at one point, which was, like you said, kind of predictable that it wouldn't be that way. But again, like she she was serving a purpose. It just maybe could have been more focused on the rescue rangers themselves since that was the, you know, the title of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I feel like a lot of movies make that, I don't know if it is a mistake or a misstep or whatever, and and then they, that they think fans want that. I don't know, because I I think about like the Transformers movies in, in that sort of case too, and there's a lot of missteps there because Michael Bay is a terrible director. But I, you know, people in, in those cases, people are there to see the Transformers. They're not there to see Shia LaBeouf, you know? Yeah. And it's the case here, like, we were there to see the rescue rangers. We were there to see the fun cameos. We weren't there to see this brand new character that we have no attachment to, you know, as a stand in that guides them the whole way. It's like, no, we don't, we don't care about this one. Give us more of the stuff that we actually wanted to see. Now, I mean, there is, there's some argument to say here of, well, sorry, but that's, you know, the writer's vision was what you got and you're going to have to stick with it. And maybe that's the case. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe the studio was like, no, 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 no. You need, you need to put the audience in the movie sort of thing because that does happen. I don't know. It's it's neither here or there. This was just my honest opinion is out of the whole thing, the only wrench that I experienced in my enjoyment of the film was was that specific character's role and just me finding her really boring and not enjoying her part. Everything else about the film I thought was great. So what would you give the movie overall? What would you rate it? Well, I mean, it, it was still a fun time. I laughed a lot. I enjoyed trying to spot all the the cameos, um, enjoyed my time watching it. It, it. It's not my favorite film of all time, but I did have such a good time laughing and smiling and everything like that. But it wasn't perfect to me. So I had to give a little caveat there just because of some of the dislikes I did share. So I gave Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers 4.5 bowls of sweet peat cereal out of five. I can't really express how much I love this movie, both as an 80s kid and an animation fan in general. Like, it's funny, it's wild, it's action-packed. And as its spiritual successor, I think it would make Roger Rabbit proud. So... I'd give 2022's Chippendale Rescue Rangers five big bowls of ugly Sonic FBI cereal out of five. 
And think if you're a fan of anything that we talk about on this show, then you owe it to yourself to check this one out. Oh, man. If ever we were able to be in a movie, it would have to be a movie like this, where there's cameos for like every cartoon character ever. <laughs> yes. And especially, we would have to ultimately go up against Saw Boss. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Saw Boss. How do we do that? How do we arrange this? <laughs> we need to make yeah, this happen. Just a really obscure character driven movie. Like, I would love to see that. Or just characters who people have forgotten about. Like, throw the biker mice from Mars in there. Give us some uh, David the Gnome. Just characters that are on the peripheral of people's memories, but not center point to where they'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot about David the Gnome. I forgot about Disney's Gummy Bears. I forgot about such and such. So that's what I want to be a part of, a movie like that. This is a necessity. Okay, for all of those big Hollywood execs listening to this podcast, there has to be a chase scene where Saw Boss is in his vehicle chasing us down and Joseph and I are riding in Turbo Teen, who is <laughs> who is trying to aid in our escape. I knew that was going to come up. I didn't know if one of us was going to turn into a car or what, but as long as like Turbo Teen's involved in some fashion, yeah. I'm down. No, we're riding in Turbo Teen. Like we're teaming up yes, with them. Yes, yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Riding inside of Turbo Teen. Yeah. At this point, like, I think that I would, and this is like a testament to how, how special this movie was, I would trample over at least four children to get some ugly Sonic merch if they have any. <laughs> oh, boy. It's like, how, how could they make a character like Ugly Sonic relevant again? Yeah, you would be first in line. Like, you would be shoving all those yes. kids out of the way so you could get out, to... Yeah, get, you don't appreciate Ugly Sonic. Get out of my way, children. Yeah. Move aside. Yeah. Grandpa's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> Step uh, aside for your betters. We need yeah. <laughs> that. We need Ugly Sonic on a t-shirt more than you. Yeah, yeah. This is what we find happiness in. And we yeah. need as much of that as we can get at this age. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just it's seeing that random character just thrown into the mix and having such a big role is just such a surprise. It's so weird. And I appreciated it so much. Yeah, I, I just that's one of those ones, too, where I'm just I don't understand how they did it, how they got the rights to do it, how Sony was OK with it, especially because it was such a big problem for Sony just a few years ago. But man, they 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 did it. Do you think it's because it doesn't look exactly like the Ugly Sonic from there and it's called Ugly Sonic and not just Sonic that they can kind of loophole their way through it? No, I'm sure they still had to have some sort of agreement like they had to have. So, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like maybe if they'd gone with like Ugly Sanic or something. <laughs> Sanic and Danky yeah. Gang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's great. Well, uh, thank you again to Eric and David, our newest uh, Twig Level members on our um, Patreon. Thank you once again for joining the Nerdsloth Treehouse. Um, for those of you listening, if you are able to lend us some support, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash nerdsloth or checking out our merch at nerdsloth.com. We uh, had a really fun live Q&A with a lot of supporters a few weeks back. There were so many good questions and we made some big announcements as well during that session. So thank you to everyone that showed up and participated there. You can also show your support by giving us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you to I Love It's Funny 32111 and Picky Gamer 42 for your recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. And each of those also asked us to review a few shows on there. 
And I can tell you, we've done Adventure Time. So you can go back and check out episode 166 of our podcast and hear our thoughts on Adventure Time. And then once we open the Ranker poll again for suggestions, we can um, look at those other suggestions for sure. But thank you so much for the enthusiasm that you've shown for our show. And we look forward to um, um, adding those to our, our list once we open that back up again. And just really happy that you're looking forward to future episodes. So thank you so much for those ratings. If you can't help us out by joining the Patreon or looking at the merch, seriously, leaving a review anywhere is a huge, huge help for us and completely free aside from your time, which doesn't take very long. So there you go. <laughs> time is money, Chris. Time is money. Time is money, friend. You remember that from World of Warcraft, the goblins? You click on a goblin in um, Booty Bay. and then, Oh, and Booty like, Bay, yes. Time is money, friend. You know. Ah, uh, memories. Dork. Anyway. <laughs> Minithil Harbor is where my brother and I did a lot of PvPing back in the day. Oh, yeah, that, that was great. Minithil and then uh, South Shore and Terran Mill. Oh, yes. So, yes, of course. The South Shore Wars. Never forget. Uh... <laughs> South Shore Wars. Well, listeners, it looks like our mook supply is now on dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Regular Show, suggested via Facebook by David B, via Instagram by Geekdom Ahoy, via email by Caitlin W, and via Discord by Toko. I think wow, people, wow, wow, wow. I think people want us to watch Regular Show, Joseph. I think they want to see it. To that I say, finally. I, <laughs> I, well, spoiler alert, I love regular shows, so I'm excited for you to finally see it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I, I get compared to uh, some characters on there quite often, though. Um, so I, <laughs> I can I think don't, of one for sure. Oh, crap. Because <laughs> I've never seen it, so I don't know what it means. But uh, I, uh, I've been told multiple times that I remind people of someone from regular show. So, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. But um, once we watch it, I might be either pleasantly surprised or real upset. One of the two. I'll let you all know next week. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm excited to finally watch it. So until next time, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. We'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.